Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Greetings, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, phone lines are open and operators are standing by. Uh, So I filled in on my flagship station, WSB, last night um, for my buddy Mark Aram, who was doing the morning show. And those of you who call this program are aware that my call screener uh, demands a certain caliber of call for this program. You can't just call in and get on. Now, in full disclosure, I've had call screeners in the past who just let anybody on. And remember the Obama phone thing? Uh, When Obama was president, there was the Obama. It turns out it's true. And I know it's true in that calls after like 10 p.m. were free because after 10 p.m., I started out on radio 9 to midnight. And after 10 p.m., everyone who called was drunk. It was the craziest thing. We we had to set some standards. And uh, my call screener is is both nerdly trained and has a high standard for who gets on the program. Well— I thought he did. Last night, uh, the call screener on the local show, uh, like, wasn't letting anybody on. I just thought it was fantastic. He'd put these notes like, nope, not relevant. Nope, not a good caller. Nope, can't understand them. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> it was great. And I got to talk, which is what I like to do. <laughs> I just, I was impressed. All right, I got to move on. You know, there is a method to the madness, by the way. If you do want to call in and be on the program, don't want to dissuade you or discourage you from calling. But you would be amazed at the number of people who want to call a talk radio show and they want to talk about a topic that isn't relevant to anything under the sun that we're not even talking about. It's not even in the news. Just random stuff. Um, That's what Fridays are for. Uh, Your job is to call is to ask a question and make me look good. (laughs) But it's just it's people feel entitled. Don't feel entitled when you call here. Feel humbled. Now, we got to talk about the economy. I want to talk about this yesterday. Allow me to read you just a series of headlines. These are unrelated stories. The first is the Wall Street Journal. A tale of two housing markets. Prices fall in the West while the East booms. In an unusual pattern, the 12 major housing markets west of Texas plus Austin saw home prices fall in January while the opposite happened in the rest of the country. Second, from Wolf Street, battle for deposits. Tired of getting screwed by banks, people yanked their cash out, forcing banks to pay higher interest rates. Treasury yields are a mess, though. Next story from CNBC. With 62% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck amid inflation, more people have a side job. Next headline. This is from The Hill. Nearly half of parents with adult children still pay their bills. And now I bet, I bet if I go to Bloomberg, there's going to be something else. Where is it? I'm just, I'm scanning. Yep, here we go. Here we go. Here's one. I mean, it's only halfway down the page. Your tax refund might be smaller this year. Ivy League prices are pushing $90,000 a year. So, 
let's let's tie all these things together because these are all completely unrelated headlines. We are living in uncharted territory economically, and I want to explain to you what's happened. For most of the last century, well, from the rise of the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve setting interest rates, interest rates have been between 4 and 5%. That, that is the historic norm for interest rates in this country has been 4 to 5%. But in the last several years, really since 2009 and, and the, the housing crash then and the economic turmoil then, interest rates went lower and lower and lower and lower and ultimately bottomed out. A lot of people were able to refinance their house. I'm one. Uh, my mortgage rate, I think, is like 2.75% or something. I've got a, um, I got a car in 2019, got a new car. No, 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 no. When was it? It was in 2021. Got a new vehicle in 2021. Have a Yukon Denali. The interest rate on my vehicle is 0.75%. 0.75%. Try to find one right now. You're, you're getting a 6, 7% maybe. Credit card interest rates are going up. Uh, I raise this not to brag about my low interest rates because I'm not alone. Uh, many, 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 many Americans are in the same boat as me. They refied their houses and stuff. Got got incredible rates. Some I know some people who have interest rates that like lower than mine. I thought I got like the best deal out there. Nope. Others got even better deals. But the moral of the story there is that we were not in normal times. We were in times with exceedingly low interest rates because of the economic turmoil from 2009 and the spillover effect. And then we had COVID and everything shut down and the Federal Reserve kept lowering interest rates to try to stimulate economic growth. And then the government started spending so much, inflation got high. But here's the bottom line. We are in times now that are supposed to be normal. The interest rates we have now are not historically anomalous. What we had last year was historically anomalous. The interest rates we have now are normal economic times, and the normal rules of economics apply. And the problem is that for just a handful of years, interest rates went so low, it's like everybody forgot how normal economics work. And that's having a spillover effect. Interest rates between 4 and 5% are actually a good thing. Why? Because a whole lot of senior citizens, of which there are many, on fixed incomes benefit. When you're putting your money in a bank and it's making one-tenth of 1% interest, that's not a good thing if you're in your 60s or 70s and you're on a fixed income. We're back to normal economic times. But the problem with getting back to normal economic times is a whole lot of people rearranged their lives to take advantage of super low interest rates and pretended we would never go back to normal. They presumed we could stay like that forever, and we couldn't. And that's having a spillover effect. So one of the effects is in the technology sector. I know a number of people in tech companies. And all of them have the same story. While interest rates were really low, 
the companies were taking the position that they should grow as much as possible. Think about think about Uber, DoorDash, Instacart. The rates were for a while absurdly low. I mean, my wife does not like to go to the grocery store. I'm the grocery shopper in our house. Now, she's got good reason to. She's got cancer and COVID's on the loose. She didn't want to go to the grocery store during COVID. I don't blame her. I did all the grocery shopping. Y'all, let me tell you what my experience was during the, the height of COVID when things were shut down and it was hard to go out. You couldn't leave your house and all that stuff. I'd do the grocery shopping. On Saturdays, I would do the grocery shopping. And there were sometimes I would have to go to five grocery stores to get all the stuff we needed because every grocery store was out of random things. Remember that they were all out of toilet paper. They were all out of out of paper towels, uh, ketchup. They ran out of Heinz ketchup. We we don't eat garbage ketchup in our house. It's got to be Heinz ketchup. They were out of ketchup. They, they're out of meats. Uh, they ran out of flour. Remember that during the height of the sourdough bacon, everybody was buying flour. Everybody's let their starter die by now. At some point, we're all going to get this wild infection, and it's going to be from the wild yeast spores of the sourdough. Everybody poured down the drain when it all died. It's coming back to get us. Zombie apocalypse based on your sourdough starter you let die. Everybody was out of flour. And so I was going to grocery store after grocery store after grocery store. I, and I, I, you would constantly come into contact with hoarders. I remember encountering a couple. They had two shopping carts full of two liter. I mean, these were, were two morbidly obese. I mean, y'all, I'm fat. I get it. But these people, morbidly obese, they had two shopping carts full of two liter soft drinks as if the world supply of Coca-Cola was going to go under. Hoarders during COVID going to all these grocery stores. But at the time as well, remember, suddenly Instant Cart and DoorDash, they became super valuable. You didn't have to go out. You didn't have to go to the, you didn't have to go grocery shopping yourself. You could Instant Cart it. You could do DoorDash and the fees were really, really reasonable. What these companies were doing is they were running at a loss. And in their mind, it was better to grow their base of operations because interest rates were so low, they could just cash in stock on the value of their companies to pay off their debts. Interest rates were ridiculously low. The value of the equity was so much more than the debt that they could just swap equity for debt when they needed to, and it was no big deal. Grow, 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 grow their business. Everything was low. The the rates of an Uber were super low. The rates of Uber Eats, super low. The rates of DoorDash, super low. And then the Federal Reserve decided it was time to go back to normal and began raising interest rates. And I remember all my friends at these dot-com companies, all these tech companies around the country, they were all have the same story that they were getting advised by the venture capital firms that that backed them, Peter Thiel's group and other, that now is the time to focus on profit. Stop trying to grow and get into profit mode. Start laying people off. Start cutting your costs. Start raising rates. And ever so slowly, ever so gently, the instant cart fees started creeping up. The DoorDash fees started creeping up. The cost of the Ubers started going up. They had to raise rates now. Interest rates were going up. They had to lay people off. They had to cut back. And it's had spillover effects in the economy. And now people who put a lot of money on credit cards at low rates, the chickens are coming home to roost. 62% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 
A lot of people are getting side jobs now. Got to have a side hustle to continue to pay the bills. Half of parents with adult kids are paying their adult kids' bills because the adult kids came of age in the super low interest rate era. They don't know what to make of this. It looks historically anomalous to them to have a 4% historic interest rate, and actually it is the normal interest rate. Banks have for the longest time been screwing their customers. I just say I've had several people I mentioned I wanted a local banker, someone I could do business with. I've had several different people reach out to me who are interested. Thank you all for reaching out. Um, I got to I got to figure something out here. But banks have been charging you like get, get an interest bearing checking account or a savings account. You're not really even getting any money. You're paying more fees to them than you are interest or interest rates coming coming from them to you. And now suddenly people are pulling their money out of banks and figuring they can go elsewhere, make more money, put it into treasuries. They can make more money, do something, and banks are starting to freak out. They're losing deposits. But your bank's not going to be bailed out because you're not one of the Silicon Valley elite who gives money to the Democrats. That's one of the most bizarre things here. According to press reports this morning, account holders at Silicon Valley Bank tried to pull out $100 billion with a B dollars on in a single day. $100 billion. In other words, the smart set in America put all of their money in a single bank in Silicon Valley. And they have the audacity to tell you they should be bailed out, but you and your credit union shouldn't. These all have spillover effects into politics, does it not? You can see a Republican running a populist campaign in 2024 against the depositors of Silicon Valley Bank. You can see a Republican running a populist account against the big businesses of America. It's going to happen. The spillover effects of this bubble that the Federal Reserve created. And by the way, it is true the Federal Reserve created this problem with super low interest rates. They probably never should have gone that far. They did not go where some European countries went with negative interest rates, essentially paying banks to take their money. We never did that. That would have been economically ruinous. Europe and parts of Asia are going to have to deal with that, which is why the United States is still the best country to do business with, because we may have done some really dumb stuff, but we weren't as dumb as everybody else. That's not really selling ourselves well. It's just selling us better than them. We're going to deal with economic ramifications of all of this. you got parents bailing out their kids, people living paycheck to paycheck when they shouldn't have to be, people pulling money out of banks. Banks are becoming more and more unstable because of it. And you got a housing market where people are getting HELOCs now and wiping out their equity. We're going to see 2009 all over again. The government continues to create moral hazards in the economy and then bail out the people who need to be left to rot. They're creating this mess by bailing out people who should not be bailed out. Meanwhile, the middle class gets screwed. There's going to be a populist uprising. I have not only converted my entire family to bull and branch sheets, but a lot of my friends as well because I actually believe in them. You can feel the craftsmanship, and the amazing thing is that these sheets get softer every time you wash them. Don't believe me? Give them a try. Right now, you can get early access to Bowl and Branch's spring sale. You use code ERIC, that would be my name, E-R-I-C-K, and get 20% off today at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code is ERIC. Exclusions apply. See the site for details. I got to tell you guys, 
These sheets are designed for incredible night sleeps. They're made without toxins. They're free from synthetic pesticides, formaldehydes, harsh chemicals. They fit really deep mattresses. And I've got a thick mattress, and they don't shrink up, which is great. Take care of the sheets. The sheets take care of you, and you get a 30-night risk-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders. And right now, use code ERIC to take 20% off today at BolandBranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com, promo code ERIC. June 5th, it'll be a birthday present for me, Apple. Announcing the Worldwide Developer Conference, June 5th. I'm sure none of you care, but I care greatly. And what is the name of this show? <laughs> it, they're announcing their their AI, their, their, not AI, their, their, their HoloLens or whatever they're going to call it. Their, um, their goggles, like Facebook has their virtual reality system goggles. Apple's been working on one. Deeply divisive inside the company. I'm, okay, it just... I've got a, uh, the Facebook, the Quest system. I don't use it. I have used it to watch a movie. It was kind of cool the way the movie, I mean, it was like giant movie theater screen right there in your eyes. But I just, I don't see the practical utility of these devices. And the one that Apple is allegedly coming out with, going to have an external battery pack. It's going to have to be connected to it. It still only lasts a few hours. I, I, so I've got an Apple Watch. I'm in the Apple cult. I got the Apple Watch, and I bought the first Apple Watch, which wasn't fantastic. It has continued over time to get better and better and better and better, and I assume these glasses will as well, but I don't want to buy a multi-thousand-dollar headset. I, I cannot see myself buying I don't know what the use case is. Maybe they can persuade me, but I don't see it. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of the program, I am delighted to have you, and I want to go down the rabbit hole with you. Normally, normally when I talk about the news, it is the big overarching headlines, not just politics, there's culture in there as well, there's world events, but there's a story that continues to percolate we haven't talked a lot about. And uh, given the news of the day, I think it's worth talking about uh, fairly in-depth with you. And that story is GPT-4 and AI systems. This is from Reuters. Elon Musk and a group of artificial intelligence experts and industry executives are calling for a six-month pause in training of systems more powerful than GPT-4, they said in an open letter, citing potential risks to society and humanity. The letter, issued by the nonprofit Future of Life Institute and signed by more than a 1,000 people, including Musk, Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak, and Stability AI CEO Imad Mostak, call for a pause on advanced AI development until shared safety protocols for such designs were developed, implemented, and audited by independent experts. Well, of course, that's probably not going to happen. Now, if you're not familiar with it, there is something called OpenAI. And OpenAI is a responsive AI system that can answer your questions and do things in writing for you. So, for example, 
Uh, let me, I'm going to do one. I've got, got the system open, right? A five verse poem about the 2024 presidential election. I'm misspelling the word election, uh, to see if it still gets it right. A five verse poem about the 2024 presidential election misspelled go. It is processing. It is processing. And here it goes. It's beginning to write. In the year 2024, the nation was ablaze with political fervor and electoral haze. Candidates vying for the nation's trust, hoping to lead and do what they must. The air was thick with campaign ads, promises made and platforms had. Debates heated, opinions clash as voters made their final dash. The economy was front and center stage, jobs and growth, minimum wage, taxes, trade, and foreign ties all became a part of the prize. Issues of climate change and health, education, immigration, and wealth were all discussed in great detail as each candidate sought to prevail. And when the votes were finally tallied and the nation's voice was finally rallied, a new president took the oath and set about to guide the nation's growth. Pretty impressive. This is a computer generating a five-verse poem about the 2024 presidential election. You can understand why some people are a little bit scared of it. You could suspect possibly a human wrote that. Explain to me in 200 words how a plane lifts off from the ground. An airplane lifts off from the ground by generating enough lift to overcome the force of gravity. The lift is generated by the wings, which are specifically designed to produce lift when air flows over them. As the plane moves forward on the runway, the wings create a low-pressure area above them and a high-pressure area below them. This pressure difference creates an upward force, which we call lift. The faster the plane moves, the more lift is generated. Once the lift generated by the wings is greater than the weight of the plane, the plane can take off. To generate lift, the shape of the wing is crucial. The top surface of the wings is curved, while the bottom surface is mostly flat. This shape causes the air to move faster over the top surface than the bottom surface, resulting in lower pressure above the wing and higher pressure below the wing. This creates the lift force that helps the plane get off the ground. Additionally, the angle of the wings relative to the direction of the airflow, known as the angle of attack, is important. The angle of attack determines how much lift is generated, and it must be adjusted throughout the flight to maintain a balance of lift and drag to keep the plane in the air. Overall, the combination of wing shape, speed, and angle of attack are what allows an airplane to generate enough lift to overcome the force of gravity to take off from the ground. So, what does all of this mean? People are scared of this technology. Some are scared of this technology because it could put a lot of people out of work. Why do you need to have someone to curate an encyclopedia when this chat can do it for itself? Concurrently, while people are calling for a suspension in development, this is a headline from Bloomberg News today. $335,000 pay for AI whisperer jobs appear in red-hot markets. Everyone's talking about the artificial intelligence behind chat GPT. 
less noticed is a jobs market mushrooming around the technology where these newly created roles can pay upwards of $335,000 a year. And for many, a computer engineering degree is optional. They're called prompt engineers, people who spend their day coaxing the AI to produce better results and help companies train their workforce to harness the tools. Over a dozen artificial intelligence language systems called large language models or LLMs are being created by companies like Google's parent company Alphabet, OpenAI, and Meta Platforms. The technology has moved rapidly from experiments to practical use with firms like Microsoft integrating chat GPT into its Bing search engine and GitHub software development tools. There's also the uh, visual AI generators where you can put in a picture. I did one the other day, said, uh, draw a picture of George Washington riding a dinosaur firing guns and doggone it, if it didn't generate a picture of George Washington riding a Tyrannosaurus Rex with a harness firing guns in the air, Washington, not the dinosaur, firing the guns, it did. You can do these things. You can do photorealistic pictures. A guy high on mushrooms did a picture of Pope Francis in a big puffy jacket looking like Drake the Rapper or somebody uh, in a big puffy jacket with a giant gold cross chain and people fell for it. They thought it was a real picture. It wasn't. It was artificially created. You see why people are skeptical of this. But there is also a common strain. It is one that has largely gone unnoticed. It is this. Many of the people who are most concerned about the potential for abuse of AI, including Elon Musk, are also the people who are convinced that we will one day create the technology that enslaves us. And they have something else in common. They are atheists. There's no role for the sovereignty of God in a group of people who are atheists who believe that we are our own masters, commanders, and creators. And therefore, they believe that we were created by accident. We can accidentally create that which then eliminates us. I don't want to downplay the fear of what could come from AI, but if you go back in history, there was a great deal of fear about the development of the automobile. And it wasn't even jobs related. Blacksmiths were not afraid that the car was going to put them out of business. But it did. But a lot of people were concerned about it. They were concerned about the speed. In fact, there were a lot of people in the early days of the automobile who were deeply concerned that the automobile could move so fast it could kill people, not by running them over, but by killing them by propelling them forward so quickly. In the early days of the automobile, you had five-mile-per-hour speed limits because they were deathly afraid that if you went too fast, you could die. And not from a sudden stop, just the speed of it. People were scared of the automobile. There is a story. Uh, historians dispute whether it's true or not. Some claim it is true that um, the French wore shoe, wooden shoes called sabots. And at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, 
workers became paranoid they would never work again. They would be able to find no new jobs as these machines were replacing them. And so they would shove their wooden shoes into the gears of the machines to smash the machines so they instead could work. And we call that sabotage. I learned that story in full disclosure from Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country, but it turns out it's a true story. <laughs> Nonetheless, there's a, there's a great fear about this technology out there, this unharnessed technology. But so much of the fear, can you imagine if at the, at the uh, rise of the Industrial Revolution and the invention of the automobile, people said, ah, these cars, we're not going to go try to kill ourselves by going 25 miles an hour and having our bodies explode. We're just not going to build them. We should put a pause on this and not develop the automobile. Can you imagine if we decided we don't want to go to the moon? Do you know when they actually flew to the moon, you can read the records yourself. There was a real concern of what if it was actually a ball of dust and they tried to land and couldn't land? Nobody thought it was cheese, but what if it was something else? What if it was like quicksand? Could we actually, could, could we actually do that? What if they gave up? Every tool that is invented, including, as we know, in the last 48 hours, the gun, can be used for terrible things. There's already proof cases of the uh, deep fake videos being used for revenge pornography, producing porn violently pornographic clips of individuals that appear to be real as a way to get revenge. AI is going to be abused but you can't put the genie back in the bottle. It's going to be abused, but it could also probably save lives. I am deeply concerned about kids using open uh, GPT to cheat. There's already memes developing of, of showing people dying because their doctor cheated through medical school using these AI interfaces. It's, it's a real concern. These are legitimate issues to be worried about, but putting a pause on it now by the very same people who think that our robot overlords are going to be created to enslave us. You know, um, one of the very first stories outside the Garden of Eden after the flood is the story of the Tower of Babel. The people decided that they themselves were the gods and they could build a tower into heaven and God confused them all and, and broke up the languages and spread them across the earth. I just look at the world differently because I do believe in the sovereignty of an actual creator, and we are not. And we, in the history of humanity, get ourselves into holes and trouble when we forget that we are not in charge. We are maybe stewards of something, but... At the end of the day, we're, we're, we're not the creators. We are the created. And if we keep that perspective and humble ourselves, it's just it, it's interesting to me when you read the list of people from Elon Musk to others, these are some of the most arrogant people on the planet who are scared of this technology. Maybe they're scared of themselves and what they might do with it. There's no reason for us to hit the brakes on this technology. We're not going to be able to hit the brakes on this technology. This technology is going to be deployed, and we should probably do a better job not of pausing the technology but of growing our ability to discern what is and is not true because it's ultimately on us and we're not going to stop it. But we should not let fear be the generator of this advance in technology because that tends to be when things go off the rails. My buddy Matt just texted me. 
said actually what it was is they were afraid with the advent of the automobile that if you exceeded 30 miles an hour, your blood would boil. And yet, here we are. Thus it will be with artificial intelligence. There's no reason for us to be irresponsible with it, but there's also no reason for us to be so scared of it we can't figure out a way forward because the genie is already out of the bottle. The horse has left the gate. Someone is going to use it for nefarious purposes, but I suspect it could be used for a great many good purposes too if we stopped being scared and just went forward with a little bit of humility. That's the part that frightens me. I don't know that people are very much capable of using humility these days, and that's what they need to do. Now, I will humble myself and pause here and tell you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You can get three of them for less than $200, save $200, and get free shipping if you go to EdenPureDeals.com. Today, EdenPureDeals.com. You put in the discount code ERIC on the front page of the site, E-R-I-C-K. You get three of them for less than $200. What do they do? Well, they're air purifiers. They get rid of the dust and the pollen. They use electrostatic plates, so you just wipe them out on occasion. You don't need a subscription to filters and things like that. But here's where they shine, and this is how I use them. They're odor eliminators. So, for example, I got cigar smoke in my car, and it smelled like a cigar. And I plugged in an Eden Pure Thunderstorm in my car. You can hold it in the palm of your hand. It's not maybe about um, four times the size of an iPhone. And it plugged it in with a USB cord and fired it up, and it got rid of the smell. You cannot tell that a cigar had ever been smoked in my car. Uh, I use it in hotel rooms. If someone's been smoking to them or they're musty smelling, if I stay at a ho- old hotel, just fire it up, walk away, come back, and they wipe out the odor. You can get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, your basement, your RV, travel bag like I do. And all you do is go to EdenPureDeals.com. You put in the discount code ERIC on the front page of the site, and boom, you get three of them for less than $200. EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code is ERIC. Hi there, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the show this hour, brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, they can help your business grow. You need access to loans, $750,000 or more from a lender. First Liberty might be able to get you to yes, where a lot of banks are telling people no. Reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. A lot of opinions, and citing Michael Crichton and, and others. Yeah, you know, you know, I see the potential for this AI stuff to run the muck, but I think it's going to be the arrogance of people in charge who aren't suddenly, even after a six-month pause, going to not be arrogant about it. Um, we'll, we'll see where it all goes. Um, then a solar flare will come and wipe out the power grid, and there goes your AI. One one issue, random issue. I see my, 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 my friend Bethany is, is putting up this article of a woman on a flight to Tokyo who had a window seat, and another person's toddler was sitting in the middle seat while the mother of the toddler was sitting right behind the toddler, the next row back, also in the middle seat. Uh, and the, 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 uh, the woman in the window seat said she was outraged when the mother asked to take the window seat on this eight-hour flight to Japan in or trade with the middle seat, and she refused. And so she had this unaccompanied toddler sitting next to her the entire flight, I'm sure making her miserable, wanting her mom. I just Can I just say 
everyone in this situation is in this situation because of the the, the, the travel company or, or the plane, the airline. Uh, I it just Joe Biden wants a law that says the parents have to be allowed to sit with their children. And I think he's right on this. I'm not big on government regulation and government laws, but it's kind of nonsensical to me that an airline will make you pay a penalty for the privilege of you sitting next to your toddler as opposed to a stranger sitting next to your toddler. That's absurd to me. And I realize why they're doing it, super discounted seats and stuff. But at this point, I kind of think there should be bipartisan consensus in Congress for a law that says you got to be able to sit next to your children. The idea of separating parents from their children, particularly at a time we've all heard the stories of inappropriate touching of your kids and child molesters and pedophiles. You got to be able to sit next to your kid on a plane. And I'm if it takes Congress passing a law to force the change instead of the airline self-regulating, it needs to happen. You absolutely should legally be required to sit next to your kids on a plane instead of having a stranger service babysitter for your kids. It's rude to everybody involved, airlines.